Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I'm so pleased to have you with me here on this episode. I'm joined by Lee Pycroft, who has been on the show before, in actual fact. And in that episode, we talked about her career and about how her career had evolved. She is originally a makeup artist. And three years later, nearly three years later, I've asked her to come on the show because she's a trained psychotherapist and she will describe all of her training to you in the early stages of this episode. But talk about love and relationships and boundary setting and how to feel comfortable not only being in a relationship but getting into a relationship. And this particular episode was spawned totally by Estée Lalonde coming on the show and our conversation about sex, love and relationships and the feedback from that made me realise that it is a topic that I have shied away from somewhat uh, and now feel that it's important to commit to audio. And if I'm going to talk about something, I want to make sure that I get somebody on the podcast who I think adds value to the conversation and Lee really does. Yes, she's a dear friend and I have so much, so much time for her, but I also really respect what she's doing with her work as a counsellor and psychotherapist. So I um, am really, really delighted to have her on the show. It's a big one and it's deep. There's a lot. (laughs) As I say in the show, I needed to lie down afterwards or at least a long drink and a think, (laughs) a long drink of water and a think. You know, those conversations where you're like, God, there's a lot there. So all you need to know is this is a very in-depth conversation about love, relationships, boundary setting, what it means to you, what it means to the other person. And she shared insights that kind of, I guess on some level I knew, but didn't really understand. Or is it on some level I understood, but didn't really know? I don't know. There's a lot in here and I really hope that you find value. I will put all of the links to Lee and her work and how you can get hold of her in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streamlouding. That's me trying to say too many words quickly. Wherever you are streaming and downloading this episode of the podcast, she is also a member of the Facebook group. So if you aren't already, um, join that group. The link to join is in the show notes. But I really, rather than wang on too long, I'm just going to say, here she is, the really wonderful Lee Pycroft, making her second appearance on The Emma Gunn Show. It's truly a delight to have Lee Pycroft back on the show. Thank you so much. I was one of your first ever guests. You really I? were. Yeah, I remember. 
I mean, and look where you've come from and where you are now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but look at you. Last time <laughs> no, you came God. on, we talked about... So, listeners, if you didn't listen to that first episode with Lee, then it's back in the archive, and obviously I'll put the link in the show notes. Lee and I know each other, have known each other for a long time. De- over a decade. <laughs> Decades. Decades, I know, yeah. yeah. Um, because I met you... Uh, on a photo shoot or at an event you're a makeup artist with Elwood McPherson yes yes you took the very famous picture of me with Elwood McPherson where she sort of used me as a shield (laughs) it's up in my kitchen (laughs) it's still there (laughs) Uh, and I yeah anyway it's a funny it's a funny picture I'll dig it out and then we obviously have stayed in touch we don't live too far from each other yeah she's a bonus yes (laughs) and you came on the show because you had you were kind of one of the pioneers or the early voices saying beauty isn't just about makeup and skincare it's about how it makes you feel yeah yeah absolutely and that really led to a transformation in terms of what you do day to day yeah yeah I mean because we spoke a lot of the time about the charitable initiative that I I ran I remember for quite some time um and using beauty as a form of self-care and I think through since I last saw you and I think I don't know if I was training as a coach then as well or not I think I just started Mm. hadn't I and that was in the work of Tony Robbins um the peak performance coach and then um through that and really seeing the power a makeover could have on the way someone would feel Mm -hmm. and you know creating these events where people would get to experience something different Mm. I then went on to train as what's called a human givens psychotherapist Mm -hmm. which is a really lovely warm um, non-voyeuristic approach to psychotherapy mm-hmm. um, and what's so lovely is it's sort of about you know say someone has a trauma it's about unhooking that emotional trauma without necessarily even having to know the story of it mm. it's about moving the person forward as quickly as possible so it's not a therapy that's based in you know let, let's look at what happened with your mum when you were mm. three unless that impacts now mm-hmm. and you would unhook that trauma as quickly as possible or whatever that conditioning was mm. um so and it's based around people's emotional needs so really i trained in all of that in order to be able to change the conversation in beauty around actually there's a lot more to this beauty ritual than we first think mm. and what's underneath our drive to look a certain way mm. right what are we looking what emotion are we looking to feel mm. what are we looking to experience through that and i think that's so fascinating um and now also changing that conversation and also also um, offering one-to-one psychotherapy sessions with people mm. in my home. So I've got sort of multiple skill set now um, and still working, you know, still doing sort of celebrities and stuff in the beauty industry. So, yeah. It's incredible. And honestly, listeners, hanging out with Lee is amazing because if you're having a bit of a rough time, just take Lee out for a drink. Because <laughs> you, sort, you sort me out good and proper. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I think why people do the things they do and why, why we all do the things we do is so fascinating, mm. you know, what drives us. And often our behaviour can be so unconscious mm. because we're running patterns and uh, things that we learned, conditioning that we learned when we were small, mm. you know, and we'll repeat these patterns over and over again because with them there comes a certainty, yeah. <clears throat> which is an emotional need. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, that's sort of where I am today. Mm. Um, so it's been quite the journey <laughs> so much so and also I know that you love your work as a, I mean this is sort of slightly off tangent but I know that you loved your work as a makeup artist mm. and obviously still do but doing what you're doing now do you feel uh like that the, the saying you know I should have always been doing this do you feel a sense of being happier and it's so strange because 
it was a real pull mm. rather than a push, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, you know, okay. I love the beauty industry. I think the industry itself can be quite status driven. Mm-hmm. That, that meeting that annoys the status. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you only have to look at you know, fashion magazines and people dressed head to toe in Prada or, or some, you know, high-end designer, they're, they're, the reason they're buying into that is to meet that need for status and significance, mm. which is fine. That's their way of meeting that need, mm. right? Um, so I think uh, for this, I'm very driven by connection mm. and understanding and studying, you know, the different, different disciplines I have. You meet a different type of person and you dig very deep into what makes someone tick. Mm. And I think it's just, it was completely fascinating. And while Mm. I still, you know, love certain aspects of the beauty industry, this is, for me, got a lot more weight and substance and Mm. interest for me. Mm. Um, And that's why I think it's, you know, the way I think the world has gone in terms of sustainability, of of, um, people are more conscious of what they're eating, Mm. of, of our environment, all that kind of thing. And that's to do also with the awareness of our mental health and our emotional well-being. So I think you know the beauty industry has a huge um, platform to be able to raise awareness to some of these um, mm-hmm. issues. And I've been doing different talks around schools and universities and um, at different places to really talk about this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and the connection between how we feel and how we look and how we look and how we feel yeah, and, yeah. and emotion and how, you know, to meet our emotional needs in sustainable and healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And of course, what, you know, what we're talking about today, essentially relationships, mm-hmm. um, how we're in relationship with everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, with colleagues, with, um, you know, friendships, siblings, parents, mm-hmm. aunts, uncles, you know, and what we learn as a young person growing up with all these different relationship dynamics, of course, will impact where we are today with them that's true isn't it well this and this is a subject that I haven't really broached that much on the podcast because Mm. I don't feel I don't feel like I am an expert in it at all Mm. so uh, but I had Estée on recently Estée Lalonde and we talked about sex and relationships and Mm. knowing yourself and it made me realise the feedback that I got. I know she got a lot of messages and I got a lot of messages mm. made me realise this is an important conversation to be having. Mm. But I think from my perspective, with, with, I said to Lee before we started recording, I don't want to get too personal, but in order to, in order to ask the questions that I'm going to ask, I have to give some context. And I definitely have always felt that love and relationships were things that happened to other people. Mm. So... For example, my public-facing job working on a magazine, when I used to cover engagements and weddings and babies, it made sense that it was happening to other people. Mm, mm. Um, And it always looked very easy. Mm. And then in my own life, you know, I'd go on a social media date and I'd hate it Mm. and wouldn't enjoy it. And I just thought, well, it's just, that's just not my road then. It looks so easy for other people. Mm to just fall into these relationships, to build these connections. And here I am. And maybe I'm just not a connecting, connected person. <laughs> Which, of course, we know is not true. <laughs> but um, I, I think when I put the call out into the Facebook group and I said, look, we're going to be talking about love and relationships, it was really interesting what came back. Mm. And a lot of it, I guess, in order to go back to basics, because I think this will be one of many conversations we'll have about this mm. on the podcast, because welcome back anytime is the starting point of Mm. one of my favorite people ever RuPaul always says at the end of the show if you can't love yourself how the hell are you going to love somebody else Mm. 
and for me that has become more prof- more profound as mm. time has gone on is that fundamentally true yeah i mean i think when, well first i think when we're saying love ourselves mm. what do we mean by that mm. and what would that look like to you because we can throw sort of terms around, but how would you know if you were loving yourself? And what does that mean to love yourself? Does it mean you are respecting yourself? Does it mean you have boundaries in place? Does it mean you know what you want and what you don't want, that you're able to speak up for yourself? You know, it can mean different things mm-hmm. to different people. Yeah. So I think it's digging down a bit into what that means for you. Mm. Now, you know, for me, or if I had a client in my room, I'd be looking at, well, you know, if we have a respect for ourselves, if mm. we know what we want in our life, you know, in terms of a, a romantic relationship or even a friendship or, um, you know, and it's that mutual, it's that respect for ourselves mm. and knowing our boundaries is essential really to um, understanding ourselves and being able to voice what we need with other people. Right. You know, and sometimes you know, if you've grown up in an environment where you maybe have been told the whole time that you're not good enough or in some way you're not valuable enough or you can't have something mm. um, in terms of a relationship or your model for a relationship is a poor one, mm. then, you know, growing up and, and not and thinking maybe relationships are for other people the whole time. Mm. Then and you don't believe that is possible for you, then of course that starts to manifest in the environment, mm. you know, and it's kind of unpicking a bit about how can we have a self-respect um, an appreciation of ourselves without the point and knowing our value really mm. in a broad sense because low self-esteem is very much about, you know, an amplified um, version of our shortcomings, mm. an amplification of our shortcomings rather than seeing us ourselves as a, as a broader view of our, our strengths and our weaknesses, mm. you know, balanced view because people who are, have such huge self-love, if you like, can come across as being, you know, sort of a bit obnoxious, a bit sort of overly confident, if you mm. like. But there's a humility, I think, with knowing our value mm. and our, our place and being respectful towards ourselves and being able to voice that with boundaries in place. Does that make sense? Mm. I mean, how, when, I, when you sort of talk about, you know, self-love for yourself, how would that, how would you see that? How would you know that you had self-love? Well, I mean, this, <laughs> I'm not paying you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't necessarily want to go down that road today <laughs> but but i i think what i when i started looking at what was coming back in the facebook group when i mm. thought about well why have i avoided this sub- subject on the podcast because we all have relationships we all have love in our lives in some form however that might look to the individual mm. and it, it it's it's that thing of they do happen they do just look mm. But it's knowing, as you say, it's knowing yourself within those dynamics, whether it's with a parent, with a sibling, with a Mm. friend, with a colleague, with a lover, whatever that, whatever that might look like. And it's the, I, what I'm doing is the comparison thing, Mm -hmm. which is unhelpful as we know anyway. Mm, mm. (laughs) Um, So really it's, what is the starting point? What is the starting point of being able to go into a relationship with healthy boundaries? Well, I think firstly, you've got to know what you want. You know, mm. what, would a, what would a healthy relationship look like to you? Mm. And if you think, if you take it from a perspective of emotional needs, you know, we all have an emotional need for safety and security, autonomy and control. Mm. We all have a, a need for intimacy and connection. That's a, dry, a huge driver mm. for human beings. Do you feel like in this day and age that actually our, our basic need for connection is 
not able to be met just because of lifestyle? Well, there's an issue with the well, there's a, there's an issue with the intimacy and connection, mm. and with attention. The need for you know to, to give and receive attention is also an emotional mm. need. The issue we have nowadays with you know we've got cultural stress. You know, mm. we talk, more people are talking about stress, which in of itself is emotional needs that are not met in balance. Right. Right. So people experience stress, which is not a mental illness in of itself, but is the root cause of many. Mm. Right. Um, and with the rise of technology and us being on the whole time, you know, longer people are working more hours because they're constantly in touch, right? Mm. But that need for connection is often met through a digital medium. Mm. So, and it's kind of like the equivalent of having, you know, a meal, but only having the appetizer. You never actually get the main course. Right. <laughs> right. So people are connected, but they're not connecting from an emotionally nourishing perspective. Right. It's so like two human beings sitting in front of each other, talking to each other. Mm. And seeing the nuances, the, the body language, making mm. eye contact, right? Mm. That's a form of emotional nourishment. Mm. And when you have, you know, intimacy, you know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be sexual intimacy. Obviously, in a relationship of, uh, you know, a romantic relationship, mm. there are many people that might have a relationship that doesn't have sex, but they're hugely satisfied because they have that in common, mm. right? But mm. you know, to have more passion in the relationship and sensuality, obviously, there's a physical uh, interaction. But the, yes, that can be uh, an issue now because of the digital mm. age and because a lot of people will meet online or use the swipe, you know, swipe sort of apps and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, you know, th so in essence, to answer your question, yes, that can be an issue. Yeah. yeah. So if you're, what what are your one's human needs? Is, is there a list? So, yeah, so basically what I was saying was, you know, you've got uh, safety and uh, security, you've got autonomy and control, mm -hmm. you've got uh, intimacy and connection, you've got a connection to a wider community, mm. you've got a sense of status and significance, we've got to feel like we're important, we're of value in the world, mm. right? You've got, um, to, we need to be stretched and to achieve things, to have a sense of accomplishment in our lives. Mm. And there's a difference between being, you know, people often talk about, there's a positive stress. I don't, you know, we wouldn't believe there was a positive stress. You're being stretched, mm. which might feel like you're being, the, the symptoms of stress, but actually it leads to some, some accomplishment at the end. Right. Where an overwhelm of stress is like you're repeating the same thing, but you're never kind of getting anywhere. You're just in a sense of overwhelm. Mm. And then you've got meaning and purpose. Because when we have meaning and purpose in our life, or around anything, we can go through an incredible life challenge, adversity, betrayal. But if we can assign a meaning and purpose, a greater meaning and purpose to that, mm. we can move forward more easily. Mm. And then there's, of course, you know, something like privacy. You know, whilst we're in a world which is, you know, we want connection, but we also need a certain amount of time on our own to consolidate information, mm. to reflect um, how much of those you need. You'll have a sort of hierarchy, if you like. Someone yeah. might have security and safety as a big number one. They need yeah. to feel certain the whole time. Mm. And you might get someone who is very driven by intimacy and connection. So if I'm very driven by connection, but my partner's very driven by certainty and he has to be certain about every single thing before he can love me, mm. that's a potential barrier. Mm. Or if someone needs to feel incredibly important before they can connect with you, then unless they feel that, they can't connect. That's a block to them feeling connection. Right. You know, and you can meet these needs in a positive or a negative way. Mm. You might get a feeling of significance by being a bully, by, being, by talking down to your partner, right? Or you can get it through building people up. You might get a sense of status by having a big significant problem the whole time. Every time you have this big problem, everyone gets around you and you mm. get a certain amount of attention from it. 
these are not sustainable or ways that are going to lead you to grow, right? Mm. But if you can get a sense of status by maybe you contribute to society, you contribute to a charitable cause, mm. you, um, you help people out, you build things up that are po- for a positive, you know, uh, reinforcement of everything and everybody. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So there's sort of various ways of meeting these emotional needs in a positive way, a negative way. And when it comes to relationships, and you're talking about, um, you know, connection and intimacy... Supposing you're really feeling you want some attention, you're feeling you want some intimacy and connection, and actually what you want is deep, meaningful conversation with someone, but you go out and you and you have um, casual sex instead, mm. right? But you're so you're meeting that need on some level, but you're not meeting it to the degree you would like to meet. And of course, you know you end up, but if you end up bed hopping from one person to another in order to sort of cover up what you actually do need mm. and often you find i mean you hear this all the time you know people will 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 have a breakup and they'll go off and you know sleep with several other people in order to avoid feeling right. the upset from that relationship breakup yeah. right or they'll shut down and say oh i'm never going to trust again i'm never going to i'm never going to um trust anyone I'm going to be on my own forever yeah you know and that is a, is a safety mechanism right you know, so people who might not enter into a relationship and say well you know that's for someone else that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. You know, that's there's a safety mechanism in that. In that, you know, when we don't put ourselves forward for a relationship, we don't open ourselves up, we don't show who we are, mm. we can stay safe. Whereas, you know, you'll often find people will focus very much on work, for instance, to feel those emotional needs are being met. They might get connection with the people in the office, they might get a sense of status from the mm. work they're doing, they're being stretched, they're accomplishing things. They've got, you know, a sense of meaning from what they're doing. But if they don't, they don't, they can't transfer that in the context of relationships because that means they don't have the same control over someone else, mm. right? <clears throat> you can't, you can influence each other by our own behavior. But when you're in a relationship, you can never be guaranteed 100% of what someone else is going to do. Mm. Can you, you know, you can trust to a point, but you know, things change, right? Mm. You know, so there's an act of, there's a leap of faith in relationships. Mm. You know, and if you and, and you know, we, I know in the in the group there was sort of talk about trust and so forth. And so, you know, it, what you were saying about starting out, mm. you know, how do we know? You know, it's it's about knowing what we want, knowing ourselves, and then you break it down to small steps. What would be the first thing that someone could do? You could do to start exploring what a relationship with someone like you know, male would be, or mm. a female, wherever the relationship is you want, you want to have, whatever mm. sex you know you, you're you're into. Um, does that make sense as a starting point so yeah and I'm going to take us off on a tangent because I want to go down this road but I just want to ask this so this is all really cerebral like having your fundamental needs met Mm -hmm. and when you describe it the way you describe it it makes perfect sense Mm. like if you your security or feeling Mm. of importance or intimacy whatever it might be but I wonder whether and I hate the fact that I'm going to use this as a reference, but like mm. Love Island mm. or The Bachelor and Bachelorette, mm. there is also chemistry mm. and just the physical thing of mm. if you get men and women together mm. in a small space, mm. they mm. will pair up. Mm. And that's not that doesn't seem to me to be about mm. fundamental human needs. That's almost like <laughs> a nature program. It just happens. But if you think in their interaction... The guys are quite status, well, the, the girls are sort of status driven as well. But the guys, you know, generally speaking, status is a, is a bigger thing for men than it is for women. They are meeting their emotional needs for connection. They're meeting their emotional need for status with that dynamic within each other. Yes, there's a chemistry. Mm. 
but they are meeting those needs at the same time. Mm. Does that make sense? They're not maybe going off on what the meaning and purpose of the relationship is in the context of life. But reality TV aside, just if you get men and women together, like whether it's a working environment, attractions happen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if you think if I'm paying you loads of attention, Mm. right, because I'm really attracted to you, I'm meeting your need for attention. Mm. And if it's back and forth, that need is being met. Right. Mm. I'm meeting your need for to feel important and significant. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if we're having a really in-depth conversation, you know, you feel a sense of safety with that, a sense of security with that. So it might not look like it's happening, but it is. Yes, but it is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That was my thing because I just thought, well, maybe I just, because when you, when one is single, Mm. the amount of people who say, oh, you just need to go out more, join a club. Mm. And there is, there is something to that, but obviously because you, not because you're just going to be around people but because your needs will be met in some way. Totally. I Mm. mean, everything is about, all the things that we do Mm. are to meet a need. You know, we're doing it through different vehicles. Mm. You know, the need for intimacy and connection wasn't necessarily always met through a person. Mm. You could get the need for connection through going for a walk in nature, Mm. through prayer, through meditation, Mm. through, um, you know, reading a great book, you know, and feeling calm. Mm. You know, that need for safety and security, you go home maybe. Maybe you're, you know, you, you cosy up in bed, you, you, yeah. know, you sp- it's all sorts of different ways of meeting it. So how do you, how do you figure out what those needs are within yourself? And then how do you then communicate that in a relationship? Mm. So, so I mean, you'd have to, you'd look at first, what are the ones that are driving you most? Mm. So I mean, something like safety and security is a primal need for everybody. Mm. So you'd think, well, where am I, where am I meeting that need the most? And what's most important to me within that? Although you'll meet all of them, you'll meet them at different levels. Yeah. So like I was saying, if you're very driven by security and safety, you're less likely to take risks in the relationship. Mm-hmm. When you're with someone, obviously you're not going to go out on a date and sort of, sort of say, well, tell me about your emotional needs, but you can observe <laughs> somebody, right? You can observe. <laughs> Maybe it would just be quicker though. <laughs> yeah um you can observe Fill out this what, questionnaire <laughs> what someone but how someone behaves mm. watch how their body language is what they talk about mm. you know if a guy's talking to you and he's talking about constantly about all his achievements and accomplishments and how well he's doing this kind of thing maybe there's somewhere around that he's looking for his sense of status to be acknowledged mm. to feel like he's you know he's sort of you know everyone has a ritual right it's like a mating ritual if you look at peacocks he's fluffing his feathers a bit mm. you know in the best possible way to show that you know he's um capable that he's masculine in in the sort of traditional sense if you like and he thinks that by showing off those qualities that makes him more attractive to you yes yeah so you'll see that and it's just, it's being able to sort of be aware of what these needs are mm. because in a relationship context, you know, when you understand what each other's needs are and how you understand what, what your definition of love is, how you receive love, what your love language is, so mm. to speak, then you have an understanding of how you can meet that person's needs. You, do they feel safe with you? Mm. Do they feel loved by you? How would they know if they felt loved by you? Mm. Do they feel like they have enough attention from you? You know, you getting enough attention from them. Do they feel, do you feel like you're growing together? Do you feel like you're contributing to each other's worlds? Do you see what I mean? Mm. So when you have an understanding of what they are, you know, if you, you know, it's very rare in a relationship that you're, if you're meeting each other's needs, that someone says, oh, damn it, I'm off. That's I've had enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's usually, you know, through lack of connection, through lack of attention, you know, you have a, a, a couple who start off with this great relationship and they're excited about each other, they're meeting each other's needs. Then they have a couple of kids 
and all of a sudden there's no time for each other. Mm. You know, and all of a sudden their relationship slips down the ranks of what's important. Yeah. The kids come first, the domestics, you know, and domesticity is the killer of passion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's how, you know, understanding what those needs are is mm. helpful within the context of a relationship. And then, then I come back to, you can tell I'm going to be a bugger, sorry, Lee. I come back to interference. Mm-hmm. When I think about what a perfect, in inverted air quotes, sorry, listeners, that's a physical gesture. When I think about what a perfect relationship looks like, my I think about television and movies and mm. literature. Mm. So not real life. I think, mm. And I think there is a lot of interference. Even if you go to a card shop and you look oh, at yeah. the way... Yeah. Um, uh, greetings cards are yeah. they articulate love yeah, yeah all yeah. of that yeah and so what, the unicorn of love <laughs> yeah yeah so you think oh well that's what love should look like that's what love should feel like mm. but and I think as I get older and I talk to more and more friends and I have mm. one friend who has a relationship that I think is brilliant because it's it's completely unconventional mm. they don't live together mm they know exactly what they need and mm. so when they come together it's great mm. so it's that un- it's that thing of seeing people in my own life and with my own eyes as opposed to the interference of media and mm. greetings cards of saying actually it can look however the hell you want it to look totally and it's like it's so different nowadays to you mm. know years ago when people would get married to procreate they would get married for economical reasons they would sort of have this model of staying in the same bedroom for years and Mm. staying married until death us do part and all this kind of thing and they would soldier on and that that's great but now it's it's we're in a different we're doing a different time Mm. you know in a relationship you can define it how you want to define it Mm. you know you don't necessarily have to share the same bed every night you don't you know you don't necessarily have to um live together it can be what you choose it to be Mm. the important thing is is, you know, we talk about attraction, is you can have, you must have things in common with the person. Mm. You know, you have, that's what's going to attract you to each other, the things that you have in common, right? These things, similarities, mm. right? You've got to share the same values and the same goals. Mm. Because if you don't have the same goals, you might have someone, oh, Christ, he's really hot in bed, or she's really hot in bed, or whatever. Oh, my God, we're fantastic. You know, we're meant to be together. But you don't share the same goals. Mm. You're not going to go anywhere. So it's not necessarily the people that we have this magnetic attraction to, mm. like on Love Island, <laughs> um, necessarily are going to make the best life partners mm. because they don't share the same goals. Yeah. You know, they might be great and teach you something and you might learn something from it, but it's being very aware of what you're looking for. Mm. And as you quite rightly say, you know, being observing what interference there is out there Mm. and what we're being taught in the world you know about through love songs through media and all this kind of thing and through the romanticizing of what relationship is Mm. because really you're looking at two essentially you know flawed human beings coming together and trying to make something work so there's a human (laughs) perspective to it and a compassion and empathy on on who these two people are Mm. you know and trying to see things from another person's point of view rather than projecting this idealistic view mm. of what we want because people will often say well, you know i want this kind of relationship i want this kind of person he's going to be this or this and this and this but who are you do who do you need to be mm. to attract the kind of person that you want mm. do you know what i mean it's yeah. like it comes back to ourselves and what are we bringing to the table and how are we honing ourselves and our own communication uh and our communication skills our um you know levels of respect for ourselves our boundaries our our own life Mm. before we go into relationship 
it's such a such a fascinating and I think <laughs> goodness me there's just there's so much there's so much to it but it does it all it all comes back to you mm, yeah and I think that's only something I've learned recently mm, because mm. that's ne- that's part of the interference mm. it should be this magical moment it you know and it's it's not it's well, knowing yourself, it's totally that. And I mean, you know, you know, I've met people because I, mean, I had a horrendous history of relationships, which is why my fascination with them started. I mean, I went from one disastrous relationship to the next, looking for the unicorn of love. <laughs> and then I realized, actually, there's one common denominator here. And do you know what that common denominator was? Me. Mm. Yeah. I thought it's the same bloke, different name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Same dynamic, just looks slightly different. I've given them a different name. But so we set up, you know, so really for me, I had to sort of unlearn those um, beliefs I had around relationships, my blueprint of relationships. Mm. And that took quite a while, but was worth every minute and learn to not gravitate towards that sort of magnetic attraction straight away. Mm. But there are people who do meet and they have this attraction and they make it work. Mm. You know, I think there are certain points that are, are really important, you know, that will um, keep a relationship healthy mm. and um, functioning, which we can go into in, in a bit um, mm. when, when you're ready. <laughs> but I um, don't want to skip, skip too far ahead. Um, so it is, you know, it's a, it's a hefty subject, but I think it's, it's such an important one because although some people say, oh, I don't want a relationship, I'm fine, you're on my own. Mm. Essentially... A healthy and vital and nourishing relationship will amplify our experience of life, you know. But as a single woman sitting here, it does make me feel a bit sad to hear you say that because mm. now I feel like I'm half living my life because I'm not sharing it with someone. No, I mean, listen, <laughs> at, at, that mo- at this moment you are not and this where you are right now mm. is great. Mm. And some people can live a single life and have many other relationships that are nourishing. And they're perfectly happy with mm. that. But, you know, it depends on what you want again. Mm. But, you know, what, what I mean by that is that in a relationship also, I say it will amplify your experience of life. Often I'll find people in relationships is not amplifying their experience of life. They're Quite, stuck yeah. in a cycle of a relationship mm. that is destructive or is draining them. Mm. Yet they're repeating the same cycle over and over. And whilst relationships will have their challenges and they take you know, uh, conscious thought and, and effort and presence mm. to keep them alive and to keep them growing and to keep them nourished. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, a plant. Mm. If, you, if you ignore it and don't put it out in the light and nourish it and put nutrients in, it's going to fade. Mm. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, that's not to say as a single person, you can't have a great life because you can. No, but then I am <laughs> thinking about, I was chatting to my friend John the other day and we both, we started out in journalism together and we have both in our time have had incredible opportunities that have involved travel. Mm. And I, during my time on a magazine, went and did hotel reviews in the Maldives three times. And he's done like the most incredible things as well. And we were talking about how we used to do this thing, you travel all that way, you'd get really nice treatment, you'd get to the hotel room, the, you know, they'd bring your bags and you'd shut the door and then you'd go out to like, for example, with the Maldives, like an overwater villa, you'd mm. open these big doors mm. and you'd see blue sea for as far as the eye can see, like crystal clear. And the first instinct is to go, look, but there's no one there mm. to see it with you. So mm. there is a part of me that is now going, that is sort of biting back about the whole not living life, if it not life being amplified in a relationship because I I want to believe that I can be very happy single mm. 
But also I completely acknowledge that I've had those moments where mm. I have desperately wanted to share a moment with someone, mm. whether mm. it be a romantic relationship or mm. just, just wish that my mum was there and go, oh, look at that, a stingray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So it, it's an interesting one. But um, uh, let's talk about, because this came up in the Facebook group a little bit, let's talk about the instance of shutting down of going Mm. i've tried relationships they suck i've been hurt Mm. it's taken me a while to build myself back up so do you know what screw it Mm. delete the apps i'm fine Mm. because Mm. i definitely have done that in in Mm. my past and i know friends have done it as well Mm. and the first thing people say is you can't you've got to be back in the game you know you've got you know what's the expression about riding a bike Mm. or get back on the horse or whatever it is Mm. Mm. So what what about because it does seem to be more common of people just going oh I just can't be asked can't be asked to do the dating thing to get doled up and all that Yeah yeah it's a really interesting one isn't it and I think there is definitely a value in resetting and re um centering yourself after a relationship maybe that's not worked out or maybe mm. you feel betray- betrayal on some level or you feel um you're going on tons of dates and it's not working out for you uh resetting and making sure you're getting your needs met yourself and mm-hmm. you're finding you know when you go into the dating scene it's having this expectation of what you think it's going to be right whereas actually and it's interesting that one of the um, comments in the group was about getting all dolled up to go mm-hmm. out and i would sort of look at that and say where's that drive coming to get all doled up mm. what does that mean and is the expectation such that this relate this date is going to be something and if it's not it leads to disappointment because when there's that kind of expectation mm. rather than going into it from more of an uh, a place of appreciation mm. of what this meeting might bring mm. from a much more human perspective so rather than this person is going to be exactly like they portrayed online this glossy edited version of themselves, right? They're not going to tell you they floss in bed at night or anything like that, right? (laughs) Or how they cut their toenails. They're going to just tell you the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But going in and as an exploration of this is one, this is one person meeting another person Mm -hmm. from a very human perspective. And that's all it is. There is nothing more. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about going out on this great big hot date. Um, It's about meeting uh, in a more neutral way. Mm. And it takes the heat and the weight out of it, yeah. I think. It's you know. interference again. Yeah. I remember in my 20s when I was uh, living in central London and was was on the dating scene, as it mm. were, which I wasn't ever particularly good at. It was always all of my female friends were like, you've got to do this and play games. And if if you like him, don't text him for three days and all oh, of this yeah. nonsense. And I was like, well, this seems like this is not how I approach any other aspect of my life. Mm. So why would I use this approach in mm. dating? Now I can look back on it and view it in that way. I obviously didn't at the time. I mm. obviously fluffed up every single date. <laughs> Did you now? <laughs> yes. Please. Is that your perception? <laughs> because I, because I would mm. go there like literally on high adrenaline. Because okay. of the, 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 the expectation of what it would be. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, and I think I am somebody who has quite high expectations generally. Mm. Mm. Um, so with uh, a view to the comment in, about getting doled up, mm. I interpret that and I sort of relate it to that thing of going in with, going in at a 10. Mm. Because mm. I'm like, if I go in at a 10, mm. then I'll, in return, I'll get a 10. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's great to have, you know, 
to have have high um what's the word I'm looking for um to have high standards mm. right but it's slightly different to expectations mm-hmm. right you can have high standards but to go in with an expectation that someone else is going to be at the same standard as you or the same level of sort mm. of high standards as you then you leave, leave yourself potentially open to disappointment. Mm. So I think the thing is, is to reset, to regroup, to become very clear on what it is that you want mm. and to go in from a perspective. It's, it's more of a, you're exploring something. Yeah. And I think that, you know, often with, you know, people go a lot online to date and mm. there's, you know, I hear this a lot where people just text the whole time mm. and these texts can go on for months, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't actually meet the person. Mm. But I think there has to be some sort of, guidance sort of sort of some boundaries around how often that goes on for because it's easy yeah. to that slip into that being fulfilling an emotional need but to go where there should be like you know on netflix you probably don't get this lee but i do because i want <laughs> i do a lot of binge watching is um after like four hours of netflix you get an alert saying yeah. are you still there yeah with like with the dating apps <laughs> yeah. it should be are you sure you don't want to meet yet yeah and <laughs> like, i think you know there's something in getting on the phone yeah. You know, because if someone won't pick up the phone and you can't have a conversation with them, then that, that, that's the next level. You know, mm. when I was online dating, I would have this thing. If I didn't speak to someone within a period of, you know, a couple of weeks, then I'd, I'd say, well, I'd say, look, you know, should we get on the phone? Mm. Would you fancy chat? And if it's no, then, then move on kind of thing. And I would meet them quite quickly for a coffee, mm. like for an hour. That's yeah. it. That's all it was. And it was a coffee. There was absolutely nothing else. Well, bringing it back to our mutual friend, mm. Tim Ferriss, mm. <laughs> we had a massive bonding moment over about yeah, three yeah, years ago. Yeah. Um, he, did, he did speed dating. Mm. He, I think he got his virtual assistant from the four hour work week to set up a day's worth of half hour coffee appointments. Oh, and yeah, he, just yeah. had, he just had a day of yeah. meeting women for half an hour at a time in a coffee shop. Yeah. And I think from that one day, he was with someone for five years. Really? I think so. I could be getting that wrong, Tim, if you're listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, though. I like that story. No, but I'm sure. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Oh, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that's what I read, but I could have just romanticised it. But um, it's much more. It would be more efficient, and maybe I should do that as an experiment on this podcast. Like, that would be I'll fascinating. Do a, a day of yeah. half hour coffees. Yeah, I think it's half an hour. I think you can. Can you tell that much in half an hour? You know, I think it's. Um, that's interesting. You know, an hour. Yeah. It just gives you an insight. And I think the thing is, is it's, it's very easy to, to sort of broadcast, as she sort of broadcasting in this entire podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, the irony. <laughs> oh, you've just broken the fourth wall, <laughs> I know. And make statements, she says. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, asking someone open-ended questions is how we get to know them. Mm. You know, because when we go in and we're, if we're self, feeling self-conscious and you're on a date and you're constantly sort of thinking about what can I say that's going to make me look a certain way mm. so this person sees me the way I want them to see me, mm. rather than open, asking open-ended questions about, you know, how do you feel about your work? What do you mm. think about this? What do you think about that? So they have to answer. You get to learn more about the other person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's sort of... Um, have you ever heard of the Gottman Institute? You, you, do you know what? It's a note in my phone because when you came around the other night and you were saying, I've got, I've got, a no, I've got my Lee note. Oh, did you? And you said Gottman and then was it Cal Newport as well, did you say to me? No, I don't think it was Cal Newport. Anyway. It's something at Gottman Institute, yeah. So, I mean, when they're talking about, um, you know, factors that influence a positive and healthy relationship, they're talking mm. about love maps. And love maps are essentially about understanding your, your partner's world. You know, and it's kind of, you know, and in, in a therapeutic sense, if I'm trying to explore something with someone, I'm asking them open-ended questions the whole time mm. to find out who they are, what they like, you know, what do they connect to? How do they mm. feel about certain things? Yeah. What makes them feel important? What makes them feel um, excited? What do they enjoy doing? Mm. You know, all this kind of thing. Um, and love maps, are, uh, especially in a relationship, once you start getting to know someone, a great way of really you update them the whole time so you're constantly checking in with that person mm. about who they are you know what what are they you know because we, the person you meet when you're you know in your early 20s and the person you're still with in your 40s a mm. different person mm. right mm. you know um so i think you know that's you know an important thing and i think also when going on a date scan the environment with that person to find things that are positive about them because this can help focus your attention within that period of time you're spending with them on the things that you can like and enjoy, mm-hmm. right? If we're going in and we think, oh my God, I can't speak to him for an hour or her or whatever. And immediately you're focusing all the things you don't like. Right. Say so you're pattern matching to a pair of shoes that your, you know, your chemistry teacher wore and you hated your chemistry <laughs> teacher and this bloke's wearing the same shoes. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, <laughs> with bloody shoes. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you're focused on that. If you focus on, even if it's, you know, they have nice eyebrows or they have nice hair or they've got a nice tone of voice, Mm. when you're focusing on the positive, that's going to start to generate more of positive emotion in yourself. 
Mm. So there's almost an art to it. (laughs) And then that's going to set you off on a better sort of emotional state. Mm. Because if you come into a dating situation, anxious or thinking, what are they going to think of me? Uh, You know, how am I going to come across? I'm nervous. You know, am I good enough? Am I attractive enough? Am I desirable enough? All of these, am I, you know, all these sort of this Mm. dialogue, this inner dialogue and misuse of your imagination as to what this could, could be on this date all the things you might not want to have happen, all this person, the things that they might think about you. But shifting your emotional state to focus on that person and the things that you can enjoy about them. Mm. And how can I leave this person better off for having met me for an hour? Mm. What can I, how can I show up as a positive force in the world, mm. as a positive human being in the world? And whatever that means to you as someone who can connect with other people. So it's really, you know, you're going out exploring that side of yourself Mm. and that that ability to connect with other people. And when we focus outwards, we're removing that rumination and those sort of that possibility of catastrophizing internally Mm. and all that dialogue of am I enough? You know, will I be loved? Can this ever happen for me? All this stuff that we can easily fall into, Mm. you know, because it takes a certain amount of courage to date certain amount of courage to be in relationship, to to grow, to be seen, mm. to turn up without the emotional armor on, you know, and that's not, I'm not, when I say about without the emotional armor on, I don't mean you go in and sort of say, hey, this is me, you know, these are all, this is my life story, because trust is built slowly over time, right? Mm. Small steps, small baby steps, you build a relationship over time. Mm. Um, so that focusing on the positive of a person even if you look at them and you just know instinctively, oh, this is not the person for me, right. from a human perspective, can lead to far more um, enhancing engagement mm. and leave, you know, thinking actually that was all right. You know, I had a coffee, it was an hour of my time. Um, if that person's not for me, you're not sort of feeling this sense of overriding disappointment when you come away. Like, I've got yeah. all doled up, I've gone home, and I'm alone again. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you go, damn it. Um, <laughs> so it, it's just sort of shifting the uh, perspective a little bit and what we're focusing on. So it's that fine balance of not worrying what they think of you. Yeah. But also uh, making them feel good about having spent time with you. Listen, it's about human, it's a human engagement. That's dental floss. That, that is like, a, that's a sliver of... <laughs> you know, it's natural, right? If you're going on a date, you're going to think what, you know, if, and if you're excited about it, it's mm. natural. We're going to think, you know, wonder what person's going to think of me. Because mm. you don't want that need for attention, Matt. Yeah. You don't want that need for variety, mm. you know, uh, for connection, for intimacy. Mm. For, you know, I want to feel important, like, I, you know, I mean something. So that's natural, right? But it's managing that emotional state. Mm. Because when you go in with all those expectations of what this might be and you come away disappointed, how can you go into it so that it becomes a, a form of, of sort of an, an interesting even engagement, even mm. if it's not particularly emotionally nourishing? It was interesting. You know, I went, went out on dates with people and I would get there and think, this is not for me, but what can I find out about this person the next hour that might be interesting? Mm. And I met people, you know, who were... I don't know, they might have been in some sort of work that I would never have heard of before. So I think, well, I'm going to ask some questions about that and find, and I'd learn something new. And I think, mm. well, actually I learned three new things there. <laughs> and then I'll very, you know, kindly and gently afterwards call them. And if they had said, oh, can we go on another day? I'd say, listen, really appreciate your time. It's not going to work out for me, but thank you for spending some time with me. That's and if there's really any nice. questions, I don't need to justify it any more than that. Yeah. That's my boundary right there. Yeah. Boundaries are so important. Yeah. 
you know, so understanding that boundary, and I don't need to explain myself away. Mm. That's the, it, how they respond to it is their stuff. It's not mine. Yeah. And I've said it gently. I've had a gentle start up to it. Um, and that's it. Then, then coming from that perspective allowed, allows you to go on sort of different dates, not having the same crushing disappointment when you come <laughs> home, you know. And it only takes one, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you never know what's around the corner. And what's happened in the past isn't necessarily indicative always of what's going to happen in the future if you bring some awareness into the situation. Yeah, if you change your... Yeah, if you change what you bring to it each time. Totally. It's like... I'm trying to think of an analogy now. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just if you... Yeah, if you go to the gym and you're wearing... For me, if I'm going to the gym mm. and I'm wearing three sports bras, <laughs> bitch is doing some high-impact work. <laughs> But if I go to the gym and I'm not wearing three sports bras, I'm going to be doing something where yeah. I'm not jumping up and down. Yeah. So <laughs> Love it, Emma. That's the first thing that came to mind. I'm sorry. So what, what I mean is if you go into the situation with your three sports bras on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um no it's just you're not you're, you're not gonna want to take your neck you're not gonna no, want to take your top off you no you're yeah. no what I, your experience is going to be different based yes, on what yes. you've taken into the room and for some reason i thought about the gym yeah so that's Apologies. fine yeah and, and i think the thing is when you have an awareness of what your patterns are because what's so interesting is you'll get people who will be very get very triggered in relationship right mm. Because if you think of it like this, we have an, we, you know, our brain, if you think of it, is, is, a, is a sort of pattern matching organ. We match the patterns the whole time. When we learn something, we're laying down a pattern. Yeah, so right? meaning that if something happens to you when you're growing up, you will almost inadvertently Yes, you're matched to that, re- that yeah, yeah. pattern, yeah. So say you've been uh, in a relationship and you've, um, it's broken up, the person was unfaithful or whatever, right? And then you meet someone new and they do something that reminds you of the other person. It might be so instinctive mm. that suddenly you're, you, you match to that old experience and you get an emotion, right? Mm. And then you get your thought and then you suddenly are looking through the lens of that old experience at what this person has done, right? And so you're repeating mm. that old pattern over and over again, right? So you react to that person's tiny yes. thing. Yes, from the experience yeah. of the past, right? Mm. Through that same lens. So unless we have this awareness of what our patterns are, what we want, how this is different mm. from our old relationship, we're going to repeat those same old patterns. And this is what's where it's so interesting is when because we have an emotion, a split second before a thought, and it's almost happened so rapidly, mm. and you might feel it in your body. And so when you're when you feel something, it's that time to be able to connect to what is actually happening. What's where's this coming from? Mm. Where's this pattern driving from? You know, and if you're having, you know, you, you find yourself in a, in, a, in, a, in an argument with someone, for example, who you're in a relationship with, it's being accountable for our part in it, right? Mm. You know, for, 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 for our own uh, history that we might be, you know, um, projecting onto the person in, in the present day, mm. you know. So it's very helpful, as so we're going back to what we were saying in the beginning, yeah. of knowing yourself, you know, what's going to be different this time, knowing what you're looking for. Mm. Um, and when you're going into these, to, to dating, in, you know, from what you were saying, from your perspective, from sort of, you know, a, a, uh, a level where you're, you want to explore it mm. from the beginning point, um, just having that awareness around those different aspects. It does seem like shifting, or not shifting your boundaries, but if you felt that your boundaries were um, crossed, mm. breached in a previous dynamic, mm. that 
enforcing them or changing them or adapting them is really important before you move into the next yes. thing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, from my uh, own experience, I remember, uh, you know, I had my boundaries. Well, actually, I didn't really say what my boundaries were. That was my problem. In one Did you know what they were, though? No, not really. Yeah. No, I had no, because my my uh, need, my desire to get my need met for intimacy and connection and status and, and um, safety and all that kind of thing, those emotional needs, was so strong that I was choosing the wrong people who were not equipped to be in relationship, and neither was I. Was it coupled with... Those needs, be, though, in order to have those needs met, you would please. You were a people pleaser, yes, yeah. And therefore, I would override all yeah. of, you know my boundaries. I'd let, yeah. I'd loosen my boundaries. You know, mm. if you think of boundaries as a signpost that let someone know when they've crossed the mark with mm. you, they, they're a signpost to people. And so, when I got into a relationship again, I had to really practice. Mm. Actually, if someone was, you know. Uh, bit of gaslighting was going on or they were dropping calls and this kind of thing i would call them on it in a very you know uh boundaried way mm. and a gentle way and i remember with a partner i'm with now we had some conversations in the beginning which was very gentle but me saying listen i need to make this clear that in for me to have a friendship with anybody to be in a relationship with anybody i need to have some sort of consistency mm. and if that doesn't work for you that is that's absolutely fine i get it mm. but for me to be to have any kind of intimate engagement with you, that's a primary need for me. I need some consistency. Um, yeah. And to be able to say that mm. and to be able to say, you know, what my needs were was, it was important. So say so you're in that position because there was a brilliant comment in the group about how do I know if I'm overreacting? How do I know if I'm being a dick, if the other person's being a dick, mm. if I need to worry about this? Mm. So that situation is a great example. You, mm. you set a boundary because you realise that in previous dynamics you had softened it mm. and how do how do you know that you're you're okay to say it and if somebody reacts to it and says no lee actually that's nonsense mm. is should that be a big red flag and a warning sign with a big old siren going eh, eh, eh. look i think the thing is 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 you have to state what your needs are right and i think the way you state them is key so it's like going in, you know, there's, there's something called the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse, <laughs> which is these basically, again, the Gottman Institute, there's these four things that if you do these, these are going to be destructive towards your relationship. Right. So it's criticism. It's So if I'm, if I'm making a criticism, a complaint, mm -hmm. and I'm saying, you know, when you don't, when you drop my calls, you're being a complete... You know, right? <laughs> so I'm assassinating that person's character. Right. Right? Rather than saying, actually... If you don't call me back you, when you drop my calls, I feel like I'm not heard or I'm not seen. Mm. And I feel, and what I need you to do is just to let me know what's happening, mm. right? I've not annihilated that person's character. Mm. I've said what I need, okay? Yeah. Now that person may turn around and say, I'm not willing to do that. But the way I go into it, the gentle startup mm. is, is, the, is a key point. Mm -hmm. If I go into, or the other, the other ones are sort of defensiveness. Now, if the other person turns around, as you say, and says, no, no, you're wrong, they get on the defensive side, that's another force, force of the apocalypse. If you get very defensive and you're mm. not accountable for your part in it, right? And you turn around and you say, no, that's nothing to do with me. Um, and you push, the, you push it back onto the other person, then yes, that could potentially be a red flag with the person or they could be triggered. Mm. What's underneath their action? What, what, why? What's underneath their behavior? Mm. You know, because sometimes the person might be scared. 
they might feel embarrassed. Mm. So, you know, that's that's another key point to look out for. Um, and then you've got, say, um, uh, you've got uh, contempt. When someone is, is, you're in a dialogue, in a disagreement with someone and there's contempt, that's that's hugely caustic in a relationship. Mm. And also stonewalling, which will often, which can happen with, um, more commonly with men, because men actually feel stress and adrenaline twice as much as women do, which is really interesting. You know, so they, and you know, their heart rate will increase and so forth a lot more. So often they'll stonewall in order to literally, I need to back away from this you know, And stonewall is just shutting down. It's yeah, a silent treatment down. usually. Yeah, and the problem is when someone stonewalls, the person who feels they're being stonewalled then brings out, you know, the mega gun and goes a bit harder, <laughs> right? So, so... Um, the best way to deal with, with uh, stonewalling in my experience is just let them get on with it. Well, the thing It's is, like a temper tantrum a very quiet in, introverted one well also you know if, if a man you know there's the sort of male and female differences mm. brain differences um and the way we communicate and so forth which are which are interesting to know as well in terms of understanding how we relate to each other um but because of the amount of adrenaline men will experience when under stress mm. and the way they function sometimes they literally will stonewall in order to just let their emotion Go, Drop, die down right, right. before they can come back into it mm. you know and when people's heart rate increases to more than 100 beats per minute we're in the emotional brain oh is right? that right yeah so you can't think clearly when you're in your emotional brain you're having a debate with someone about something this is what happens within couple dynamics we end up being the person ends up being triggered by something an old match from the past right both people are triggered they start getting into criticizing defensiveness contempt and stonewalling mm. right and then all of a sudden, their anxiety, you know, the, the increase goes up in their, um, in, in terms of anxiety and stress, mm. and they're in the emotional brain. And once you're in your emotional brain, you're not going to think clearly because that's not how we're designed. Right. If you're in your emotional brain, you're in fight or flight, and you're either going to fight, you're going to flee. Mm-hmm. But in order to think rationally, to, be, to use cognitive function, you need to calm down. Mm. So if you're in a debate with someone and you're putting your boundaries down and someone is reacting, sometimes you just need to stop and check out and say, listen, let's talk about this when we're both a bit calmer. Mm-hmm. And when you come back 15, 20 minutes later and you feel calmer, then it's a whole different conversation again. Mm. You know? So it's, um, you know, it's when you understand these dynamics, it makes communication a lot easier mm. because often we think, you know, certainly I've got loads of girlfriends and closer clients in the room that will think that men will be like hairy women and communicate the same way as us. Yes, but that's not true, is it, Lee? No, no it's just, you know, it's not. And they'll, you know, often, you know, women will have their, their emotional tag to memories is a lot stronger than men. So I remember events, mm. um, birthdays, uh, the emotional content of stuff more than men. Mm. And men will say, I don't know what she's talking about. And in an argument, we'll be able to drag up all this stuff <laughs> and men will be like, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> How could she remember all of that, you know? <laughs> so, um so That's yeah interesting yeah so that answer the thing in a very long-winded way is that answer the thing about the boundaries and about the red flag yes it does because because ultimately well not that it's as black and white as this but if you say when you do this i feel x yeah and that makes me feel rubbish yeah if that person then continues to do it disregards it mm-hmm. gets defensive or um then uses it as a weapon against you in the long term Get out of Dodge. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's when you are bringing to the table some of the principles we've spoken about, Mm. 
you know, you will naturally tend to not attract, not attract the people that you might have attracted in the past. Mm. Right. When you start resolving those patterns and you start bringing to the table these, these sort of principles, you will attract a different type of person mm. because those people who are avoidant or critical or um, contemptuous and behave in those ways will not have the same appeal. Does that make sense? Can you reset boundaries in a relationship or is that yeah, now, hard? No, I think definitely you can reset them because obviously you know, if we're with someone long enough, you know, our boundaries might shift and morph and, our, and you know, we'll, we'll grow. Mm. That's the idea. A relation, I always think in a relationship, there's you, there's the other person and there's the relationship, mm. right? Mm. So you're both doing your thing and there's enough breathing room for the relationship to grow and each person to grow. And then together, the relationship keeps growing mm. because each person is growing individually, mm. right? What was the question again? <laughs> Can you reset oh, yeah. boundaries so, within yeah. a relationship? So and I think that's where you're, you know, when you're talking about love maps and knowing each other, you know, when you're updating those and you're asking open-ended questions to somebody, you're getting an insight into what 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 you know life means to that person. You can that's you know a perfect example of when you can start talking about boundaries mm. and talking about you know what works and what doesn't work for you. Mm. And for them, you know, how can I help you? You know, because it's always easy to sort of think of it from our perspective, but having the empathy and compassion to see it from the other person's perspective while being while honouring our own boundaries. Mm. You know. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Very clear. It's just a lot. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a big subject, isn't it? <laughs> Particularly for my baby love brain. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly, but you've got a big brain. <laughs> yes, but I, I'm, it's, it, well, it's, you were the first person who ever said to me about training my muscles. Mm. And I remember I, uh, when I was round here about three years ago, and I said, this, this situation with this friend has really upset me. And I really want to tell her, but I can't. And you said, well, why not? And I said, mm. oh, because well, she might bollock me. Mm. And you went, well, I think you need to flex that muscle and give it a go and see what it feels like to actually mm. say that what has happened is unacceptable. Mm. And that was the beginning of so much. And it's the same in, in relationships. It's like when, you know, when you're getting into a relationship, it's mm. flexing those, those muscles of feeling vulnerable. You might say something and someone might not respond in the way you want or you would like but what you said was what's the worst that can happen what if she does come back and bollock you mm. what does that tell you mm. and it told me exactly what i needed mm. to know which i already instinct but i'd already kind of knew deep down was mm. this is an unhealthy relationship friendship whatever yeah. it might be yeah yeah and it's that knowing that mm. and you being able to express that you know to yourself and being able to have those boundaries in it so you mm. can either choose to stay or to or to leave and i yeah know? and and actually, it was a thing I had been putting off mm. and putting off and putting off and mm. putting off, which mm. in, it, in, it, in itself had created its own tension. Mm. And there was something so... When I got the reply and it was exactly as I expected, it was slightly aggressive, dismissive. Mm. Or, I remember feeling a sense of relief of, mm. oh, this... All I needed was the sign, but all I needed was... Mm the data and mm. i've got it and now i can hit return and mm. move on mm. god my analogies are really off today i'm sorry <laughs> Not at all. yeah because it is it's like it's that flexing that emotional muscle mm. which is so you know so um valid and important in you know our relationship in relationship building mm. and that was just in terms of friendship but yeah. i would say that definitely the, the first time ever doing that mm. has meant that and I've said this before in this podcast, but I'm 
doing that and understanding it was okay to say how I felt mm. has meant that the friendships I have now mm. are so different, but mm. they are so much better. Mm. And the people who have um, come into my life, who were already mm. maybe like beauty industry is quite mm. small, but the people who maybe I'd known for years who are now dear, dear friends, mm. because I'm fundamentally different. Mm. So I'm attracting yes, yeah, different totally. friendships. Yeah, totally. And, then that, and that's exactly it. And what you, when you reset yourself mm. and you're clear on what you're, what you're doing and what you're looking for and what you're, you, know, you're, you want in your world, mm. then you, start, you do start attracting different people. And it's really interesting, the sort of people that, the sort of men I would have been attracted to in the past, if they approach me now, I'm just like... Not Do a, one. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm in a wonderful relationship now. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting to see how we can grow and shift and, and you know, um, and morph into sort of something, something else, you know. It is. And it, and it shouldn't, I guess, I always like to think that there's nutritional value in these conversations for the listener. And I think the thing is, is that it's, it is okay to set your boundaries totally you may and but but with the caveat of you may experience a period of turbulence if setting that boundary doesn't necessarily go the way that you want it to yeah and that's where the expectation of it is yeah. and in and in, 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 in being able to feel compassion and empathy for someone else because remember what we're going into for we're you know people are going in with their different emotional triggers mm. you know to understand what is always beneath that person's behavior mm. but whilst you know be mindful of not getting into a cycle where you're you become a caretaker or people pleaser with the other person because mm -hmm. you're constantly you're so understanding you're like chronically mm -hmm. forgiving yeah. of someone because that chronic forgiveness is never going to serve you in the long run and it also stops prevents the other person from learning the lessons they need to learn to grow mm. you know what i mean yeah. so i mean i have forgiven people in my life who maybe i've experienced betrayal with but that not that doesn't necessarily mean i want them in my life anymore right right so there's a, there's a difference, and that's for each person to decide what's right for them. What's the name of the guy that you uh, introduced me to again? Uh, one of our mega bonding moments over your kitchen counter. Uh, <laughs> Tales with, from the kitchen. With, with uh, cups of Buddha tea. Um, is it Vishen? Is that his name? Vishen Lakani. Yes. He, he did... just got separated, actually. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, I think you... Uh, uh, put me onto a video that he'd done about forgiveness and about the um, mental, the brain waves. Mm. And I think it was compared to Buddhist monks who had been meditating for years mm. and the difference that it makes in your brain, mm. actual your brain function, mm. and therefore the, what is it, the parasympathetic oh, nervous system, yeah. Of actually forgiving. And mm. if you focus on somebody who you feel that has harmed you or hurt mm. you, to actually focus on making peace with that mm. internally and just saying, I don't like what happened. I accept responsibility for my part in that mm. because we're all, we all contribute to these dynamics mm. and actually saying, I forgive you in your head about that person actually changes. Mm. It, it might even be a neuroplasticity thing. I have to go back and put the video listeners. It will be in the show notes. Um, Cause it is very, very interesting about mm. how vital a role is in just 
forgiveness and mm. moving forward. Mm. And interesting, you were saying when you're sort of, you know, you imagine that person, because mm. that, what I was saying earlier, also about sort of when we misuse our imagination, also yeah. when we put our imagination to good use. So when, you know, you're going on a date, you're, you want to say something, say you're going to have a courageous conversation with someone about boundaries, or you're feeling a bit vulnerable or whatever, mm. imagining how that relation, how that conversation could go mm. and feeling courageous and feeling um, grounded in that conversation mm. helps set you up to succeed within it. Mm. Does that make sense? Because yeah. the, the calmer we can be, the more centred we can remain, then the more uh, capacity we have to think clearly. Mm. It's just the way we're wired. I'm now going to tell you that as a 41-year-old woman, when I date, within the first 15 minutes, a guy will say, so why are you still single? Mm. Or something like that. And that immediately gets me feeling defensive because I don't really have a great answer. Because <laughs> mm. what, what is a good answer to that? And mm. then also the other thing that I know you'll love is that I always try to emphasize how busy, not busy I am, but how mm. um, I'm, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not really looking for anything. You know, I'm just, you know, mm. putting my toe in the water. It's that thing. But actually... I know you're looking at me thinking the healthy thing to do would be to commit and say, actually, I'm really interested to see what happens. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it, but I think a lot of people I know, women who are mm. maybe 30 plus who are dating, because mm. I not because I'm eliminating an age group, but just because they're the ones that I tend to mm. know more, mm. is there is that thing of going in feeling like, well, I do feel good. I do feel self-contained. I do feel like I've got all my shit covered, as it were. Mm. And so I don't want somebody to think I need. It's a really interesting one, that actually, isn't it? Because, you know, as women, we don't need mm. in terms, especially sort of, you know, back in the day, it would be an economical reason people, you know, men and women might get together, as I said. Um, but you can want that in your life, mm. you know, that sensuality, that engagement, that interaction. But you see also there is something around, you know, when you look at masculine and feminine energies within people, right, we all have masculine and feminine energy within mm. us, you know, but you'll have a driver, a driving energy. And you might meet women who are more masculine than feminine, right? Mm. And you might meet men who are more feminine than masculine. But if you're with a man who is very masculine, then and you're not needing him for anything, <laughs> then some of, you know, and say his love language is acts of service and he likes to feel needed and like mm. he's helping, like he's, you know, solving problems and you don't allow that because you don't need anything. There's some sort of flexibility in there sometimes where you can sort of, and I had to learn this, mm. um, you know, to allow the person to do what, feels good to them and to sort of shift into more of a feminine energy sometimes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah um you know my partner's very alpha he's very masculine but he's very good at shifting into his feminine when I talk to him because mm. he knows you know I'll sort of the way to to hear me and listen to me is to be present mm. right rather than try and solve things all the time those men will be tended tempted to do that won't they have you ever seen that um youtube video um it's not about the nail. No, but I can imagine <laughs> it already. Listeners, research it. I'll put I'll put the link yeah. in the show notes. It will make you laugh. It will make you laugh. Um, 
Yeah, also saying it's like that line in yeah. the breakup, you know, the Jennifer Aniston film, where she's ragging on um, uh, the dude whose name I've forgotten now, uh, Vince Vaughn, to do the washing up or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she yeah, basically domestic yells, bliss. I don't want you to do the washing up. I want you to want to do the washing up. Yeah, exactly. Forget that. Yeah. So it's playing around with those um, that sort of masculine and feminine, knowing when we're in our masculine. Does that mm. make sense to you? I mean, masculine sort of energy is sort of quite solution focus and very driven you know when mm. we're in our workspace and we're being ordered and all that kind of thing so that's some sort of more of a masculine energy feminine energy is more sort of more playful more sort of um communication it's more creative mm. um and sometimes when we're very we don't need anything and we're very independent sometimes it's just allowing uh someone to come in and do some stuff for us mm-hmm. you know that can benefit actually both parties does that make sense yes it does i remember a friend saying to me once when i was seeing someone she was like well i I think there was something that i needed to do with my car like i needed i think i thought i thought one of the tires had a puncture or something a slow puncture Mm. and she said well let him do it and i said why not i thought i'd let him do it i can do it then if it happens again i know what to do yeah (laughs) yeah yeah you see that yeah yeah and i see i totally get if it happens again i know what to do (laughs) but equally you know if he gets something out of doing it and you get your tire fixed, everyone's a winner. And it's kind of that, you know, allowing that masculinity to come through for some of the, for, for mm. some men that's important. Yeah. That, that play of masculine and feminine. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it be does. able to let, you know, like let go of the sort of reins a bit sometimes. Yeah. You know, and, and bring in that sort of more feminine, uh, playful energy into the mm. relationship, you know, mm. because it's it's the masculine and feminine energies that are playing that creates, you know, passion and, and um, you know, creates that sort of chemistry between men and women. So... You know, or, or what, you know, even if it's two women, it could be masculine and feminine energies yeah, yeah, or yeah. the same sex, you know. If someone is listening to this and they're thinking... What well, the hell is she talking about? No, no, no. no. <laughs> if they're thinking, you know, like they might have a niggle about their partner or... Mm, this, which is so common. Which, which is common. How, um, like, it's the... How do you know if it's just like a teething problem as opposed to a bigger issue? Well, it depends. I mean, there are a lot of... There are many issues with relationships that don't get resolved. I mean, you might have someone that's incredibly untidy, for example, and they just will never be tidy. Mm. You know, and sometimes the engagement around the problem becomes bigger than the problem was originally. Mm. So say someone's really untidy and it's like, my God, I come home every night after work and he's left his stuff all over the house. He hasn't done the washing (laughs) up. Um, You know, I feel disrespected. Yeah. And I feel like I'm not heard. And if he cared about me, he'd be doing the washing up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's the sort of typical thing I would hear quite Mm. a lot. In his world... He didn't see any of that. He just came off and took his shoes off and dropped his shirt on the ground because that's what he does. <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that same thing to him, right? right. But there was some, and, and so the engagement around trying to solve the problem becomes bigger than the problem was in the first right, place, yeah. right? So some things, you know, when you're searching for your partner, it's about knowing what you can also accommodate to a certain degree. Mm. Someone's, you know, essential nature is who they are right so you can have you know you look at what things you have in common you look at what you know where the what does the person want in their life you know if some one person wants children another person doesn't that's a, that's a sticking point mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. um if one person believes in monogamy and the other one doesn't but you have a great time it's a sticking point um you know but there are some things you might kind of think well 
is it worth me accommodating that to a degree because of the other all the other good stuff I get? And is our engagement around it civil enough um, in order to get past it? Yeah. And you might have in-laws that are difficult and you might not agree on how to be around the in-laws, but the in-laws aren't going anywhere. And mm. that, that issue remains the same. It remains an issue that's sensitive. But how can you communicate and get around, get around that? Mm. Where else can you put the focus that will enhance the relationship? So that diminishes somewhat. Mm. And I think what was interesting, there was a question in the group about making time for a husband. And he's down the bottom of the list. Remember that one? Mm. So you've got kids, family, parents, all that kind of thing. Um, and it's interesting because I think culturally, you know, we look at kids and they take the primary focus when mm. we have them. Um, but really, the relationship, if you don't have that relationship strong and nourished, then it's you don't have much in the emotional bank account to draw upon mm. when you need to. You know, so it's like you may have to let some other things go or ask for help mm. in order to balance things out so that you and the, your partner can get some time together and have some rituals in place that are emotionally nourishing. Mm doesn't have to be anything big but be able to spare each other the, to, to create the space for mm. time does that does that make sense yeah it just i think it's coming back to what i said at the beginning about it all looks easy but actually you kind of always have to you always have to have that tab open and go in and refresh it every now and you again. Are, i mean that's a great yeah great uh, can borrow it yeah i'll be using that one yeah <laughs> i'll make notes scratch scratch on my notepad yeah i mean it is and it's 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 almost sometimes I feel this sort of rush to the altar, you know, get married and we'll, you know, feel safe and we'll do all these things. That's mm. what the sort of cultural message rituals. is. Rituals. Yeah. You know, the cultural message is, you know, you meet somebody, you get married, you have kids. Mm. Right. But that, as we said earlier, does not have to be like that. Mm. Um, there are many ways to have a relationship in a life that is enriching. Um, but uh, we have to remain conscious of what that relationship is and what it means mm. and who that person is in order for us to, um, keep our own uh, interest and stimulation mm, up with mm. regarding it. Because you talk about, you know, people talk about sex wearing off, for example, over time. But we have to cultivate the environment for intimacy and, and passion. Mm. You know, if you put the bins out and you've been up all night with the kids and all this kind of thing, you're not creating that, that culture of, of sort of, you know, eroticism and, and sex and mm. passion, right? And our imagination can be great in, with regards to that. Mm. Remembering all those times when it was good, um, what did work, mm. and conjuring up those feelings for that person and for that that situation, mm. and developing rituals that enhance each person's um, experience of the relationship. Mm. It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot. And do you know what? We are going to have to draw this episode to a close, but I feel like we've only <laughs> come back on the show. <laughs> Because there's so much, because I know that in the group there are questions about gender roles within relationships, mm. there are questions about how to get past infidelity. That's a big one, yeah. Yeah, and I do feel like that probably warrants mm. and deserves its mm. own show with you, because I know that you've got some incredible insight, and it would be a shame to just sort of smush it onto the end of this episode, <laughs> which would be... Um, well, I hope that's been of use to the, to the listeners. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm going to go and have a lie down. <laughs> well, they're all going to be... If you're still with us, listeners, you're not snoring. <laughs> I've said this. I always love it when people come on and they're like, is anyone still listening? I'm like, please don't say that on the show. <laughs> of course they are. It's the Emma Gunn show. 
<laughs> nice save, Lee. Nice save. <laughs> so obviously, um, that is a very big, uh, definitely a starting point for more of these sorts of conversations on the podcast. Mm. So if you want more of the same, go into that Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. Ask a question. Uh, Lee's also in the group. So if you mm. want to tag Lee, like at Lee, Mm. um she she'll see it too and then maybe we can get you back on to do mm. some more specific shows and drill down into some yeah uh like the infidelity yeah. issue and more yeah, yeah but um thank you i found it incredibly interesting uh, there's a lot of information <laughs> you are a blimmin gem thank you so much thank you so much for having me on seriously i was so excited when you invited me back on and it's just i love the way your show has just skyrocketed from when oh. i first came on no seriously and um for any of you that don't know emma she's the most wonderful warm human being and no she is and so sort of wonderfully beautiful you know literally inside and out and I think what you're doing here with this podcast and the ripple effect it will have is, is truly brilliant because it will be impacting people in ways that you probably don't even know yet. Mm. And I think that is, you know, really uh, admirable. Well, so, thank um, you. And thank you for supporting it. And also, um, I have attracted people who listen to this show who are just flipping awesome. Mm. So one of my favourite things is to hear from you. So do get in touch. And um, thank you, Lee. That was really nice of you to say. My absolute pleasure. Mm. Right. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, I just want to remind you that it could not be easier to get in touch. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. That's for listeners only. And actually, if somebody who is not a listener jumps into that mailbox, I get them off my land quick and proper. You just be reassured about that. You can also DM me on social media where I'm at Emma Guns on Instagram and Twitter. And obviously, if you want to have a conversation with me and other listeners of the podcast, please do join that Facebook group. The link to join is in the show notes. It's always, always a pleasure and I always really um, thank you for spending your time with me. I cannot wait to see you on the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTful15. So head to BOLL and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details details.